Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. And let's look at our text. Today, I want to talk to you around the subject, what's in a name? What's in a name? Uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1 in the NIV says this. Everyone read it together with me. It's up on the screen. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Let's say it one more time with some emphasis. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Father, thank you for the time that we have just had together worshiping you and the very evident manifest presence of your Holy Spirit that is here. God, we are so grateful that you give us the privilege to serve you, the honor to be in your presence, the, the opportunity to be around your people. And Father God, we just ask you in the name of Jesus to Strengthen and encourage us. Strengthen our resolve to live for you wholeheartedly and encourage us that no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with, you are God and nothing is impossible with you. And so, Father, we just praise you and we give you glory. We ask you to bless this word and take it like seed and plant it in the soil of our heart and cause it to bring fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You can be seated. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. I would encourage you to get a notebook out or get a pen and paper out. or get your, if, you, if you do the U version, get those notes out. and You can actually go point by point and, and put notes in for yourself and you can save them for later because you're going to want to study this. But A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed better than silver or gold. William Shakespeare said it. Like this in his play, Othello, he said, Good name in man and woman, dear my Lord, is the immediate jewel of their souls. Who steals my purse steals trash. Tis something, nothing, t'was mine, tis his, and has been slave to thousands. But he that filches from me my good name robs me of that which not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. A name is important. What's in a name? People are blessed when you call them by their name. I don't know if you have ever experienced this, but when you are trying to make friends with somebody or you're trying to connect with somebody, when you can call them by their name, it is a powerful thing. For some reason, because their name, their identity is wrapped up in their name. And so when you call them by their name, it makes them feel connected. It makes them feel good. And it's an important thing. My name... Man, I always grew up not crazy about my name. Uh, my name is David Bryan. So my mom and dad didn't think one boring name was good enough. They gave me two. I mean, I couldn't have some cool name, but I did have the name Gadbury, which is awesome because I got called every berry in the book for my entire life. I was studying on this, and I, I, I thought, you know, how do people get their names? And, you know, because we have uh, 
a little grandbaby, Lindley Janae, and she is now five years old going into kindergarten this year. And then many of you may or may not know this, but Taylor, my daughter, she's uh, uh, going to have a baby, little baby girl in uh, October, October 12th, exactly on that day. And um, so I remember them going through names to, to, to figure out. And it's just such a fun time when you're about to have a baby and you're thinking. Uh, how many of y'all remember when uh, you, they checked for the, the sex of the baby when you went in for the, the uh, sonogram or whatever it was? Back when, in my day, it didn't look like nothing. How, how many of y'all remember that? Like you were guessing at best. It's going to be a boy. And you fix your boy room all up and then it's a girl. And the same way, the other way around. I just remember nowadays, they can, they can peg it. Because you can see that baby like 3D. We already know this new baby looks like her big sister because we've seen her face. Isn't that awesome? A little bit creepy too and spooky. Uh, but I was reading something about how people get their names, and th th I thought this was so hilarious. So here's, here's a few people who got their name in an interesting way. Um, the, the first one said, I'm named Macy because my mom went into labor at Macy's. <laughs> Another one said, I'm named after some lady named Jolie who helped my dad over the phone with some insurance changes. Shout out to Jolie at State Farm for the unique name. <laughs> I love this was my favorite one. My parents were sure they were having a boy and decided to name the baby after my dad, David. Cut to the day of labor, and my dad didn't get the junior he was expecting. So with no backup, they just slapped an A at the end of my dad's name, and Davida was the result. And I just want to take this moment to turn to my daughter, Taylor, and say, that's not a bad name. You might want to think about that in a couple of months. Davida. Yes. This one said, my parents drove by Casey's Fine Furniture and were like, hmm, Casey, okay. Uh, and then the last one was this. My daughter looked a little bit like a cartoon duck in her first sonogram picture, so we nicknamed her Ducky. And later, while looking for names, we found that Della was Donald Duck's sister and Huey and Dewey and Louie's mom. I don't know why we need to know all that, but we instantly knew that Della would be her name. Boy, they didn't get real spiritual on that, did they? You know, a name is important. It is. It's, it's, it's especially important to the person who's labeled by it. And we love to hear our names, calling someone by their name is a great way to connect with them and show how important they are to you. But what's important is when the, uh, what, what the name represents. Now, so think about it. Some names represent good things and some names represent bad things. And the Bible teaches us that it's better to have a great name than it is to have great wealth. Now, I, I don't care what people think about me. How many of you have ever heard that statement before? It's so, it's so funny to me how you hear people say, I don't care what people think about me. I'm just myself. And, and it's so funny to me how someone who says that looks just like every friend they have. They wear the same clothes. They talk the same way. They go to the same places. They're just the same. But I don't care what anybody thinks about. Of course you care what someone thinks about you. It's the biggest lie that so many people tell to themselves and to others. Of course we care. Because money is not the only currency in life. Our credibility, our integrity is a sort of currency as well. 
Right now, we live in a world of cultural and moral relativism that assumes that personal integrity is no longer important because if my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth, then uh, you shouldn't be bothered by any behavior I have or anything I do, whether it's honest or dishonest or whatever, and, and, and because it's not your job to judge me. And no, I, I want to be honest, the Bible's very clear. We shouldn't be judgmental or we shouldn't be passing judgment, that's God's job. Meaning, when you see somebody and they're not aligning even with the word of God or whatever, you can't. You, it's not your job to go, they're going to hell and they're bad and they're horrible. That's not our job. That's God's job. We let God take care of judging because none of us have the ability to do that because we have problems of our own. Somebody say, amen. But we do make judgments all the time, and we should. The Bible says that we should. We judge whether a tree is good or not by the fruit it bears. If the fruit on the tree is rotten, we know not to eat it. And we realize that, that it's a bad tree. It's not useful for its purpose. Look at the scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 6. And then 15, verse 20 through verse 20. I want to share something with you here that let you see. It's very interesting to me how we have in our ideologies and in our thinking and the way we approach scripture, even Christians, many times we want to do things to, I guess, you know, there's, there's two ways to there's two ways to interpret the Bible. There's two ways to operate and function in hermeneutics is what uh, Bible interpretation is called. And, and one is what we would call exegesis. It's E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S, -E -E exegesis. And what that means is it means to extrapolate from the text what the text is saying. There's another term, though, called eisegesis, E-I-S, so on and so forth. <laughs> and... Uh, Eisegesis means this. It means to put into the text or read into the text what you think the text is saying. We should never be involved in eisegesis. We should only be involved in exegesis. And we should never, ever take scriptures out of context. And when we do, it ends up with this idea that I can behave and do whatever I want and no one should have any problem with it because no one is my judge. And so it teaches us that we're going to live however we want, and it's not going to affect us or cause us any consequences. But that, if, you, if you take it out of context, you can go there. But if you read it further, you'll understand. God says, no, don't, be, don't do my role of passing judgment, but you do need to make some judgments. Because you need to make sure you're right with the, you're, you're with the right people. You need to make sure you're, you're doing the right things. You need to make sure that you're taking in the right stuff. You remember what Pastor Scotty taught us, that what we take in is what's going to come out. If we don't make some judgments, come on, we just let anything in. If we don't make some judgments, we're going to let our kids be with anybody, anytime, anywhere. If we don't make some judgments, we're going to allow things into our life that is going to mess our life up because we're not making judgments. Now, let's look at it in the scripture before you all judge me and say, that's not right, Pastor. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So this is Jesus saying to everybody who was listening, hey, if you judge the tight constraint of judgment you put on someone else, that's the way I'm going to judge you. 
So when you're legalistic and you're hard and heavy and harsh and you give no grace to anyone, be expecting that same kind of judgment to you. Everybody say, let's not have that. Amen. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So I want to draw attention to a couple things here. Number one, Jesus wasn't all that nice sometimes when he preached. He called people names. But here's what he's saying to us. He's saying, look, when you've got a big problem like this, something sticking out of your eye, don't be trying to take a little splinter out of someone else's eye. Hey, let me get that for you, Scotty. Right? Right? But it does go on to say that when you take the plank out of your eye, you can help your brother get the splinter out of his eye. Hmm. This really, passage of Scripture really isn't as much about judging as it is about hypocrisy. Are you all with me? So then he goes on to say in verse 15 later in the chapter, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Watch out is the same thing as make a judgment here. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. So when I'm looking at someone or some situation, I can look at what is being born from it and say, that's good or bad. Are you all with me? So regardless of our philosophy or ideology, human nature is the same. If we can't trust someone, then they have no real influence over us. You can't be influenced by someone you don't trust. When it comes to interpersonal relationships, integrity, honesty, openness, transparency is still the highest form of currency. If you want to lead your kids, you need to be a person of integrity. If you want to lead your spouse, you need to be a person of integrity. If you want to lead your friends, you need to be a person of integrity. This proverb tells us that a good name, a name untarnished by ill repute of whatever kind, is far more valuable than riches or wealth. No, no, we don't live for approval, and we definitely don't want to get into a kind of codependent mindset that requires us to be worried or concerned about what everybody else thinks. But we do want to have a name that is synonymous with sincerity and honesty and humility and integrity. Regardless of what is culturally trendy, you will still gain respect and trust And that's far more valuable than riches gained by deception or selfish ambition. Because at some point, people will realize the tree's bad, don't eat from that tree. A good name, like a good tree, produces good things. And a good life is sure to follow. Are you with me? Turn your neighbor and say, that's good. And let's be honest, just just like this series says, motives matter. So if what we're trying to do is have a good name, then our why is because it is a reflection of the heart of God. 
We, we want to have a good name because the Bible here is telling us that a good name is far better than great riches. So we, we want to do that because if that's what the Bible says, we want to do that. So if that's what we want to do, then why do we want to do that? What is our motivation? What is the intention of our heart? And here's what it should be. It should be to, that our name should be a reflection of the name of God. Our name, our life, our goings and comings should be a reflection of who Jesus is and what he has done for all of us. Have you ever heard that saying, as believers, that our lives may be the only Bible some people ever read? You know, it's important to know how valuable integrity and sincerity are. When I was growing up as a kid, um, I was not a very good person. At a very young age, I started doing some really bad stuff because of some things that happened in my life. Grew up in a pastor's home, but I was the quintessential, typical pastor's kid. I rebelled as hard as I possibly could, and I was into some stuff. And so I ruined, basically, my education. Because in the early grades of high school, I was so out of focus, I was so messed up that I didn't get the credits that I needed. So when I became a senior, and I don't know how they do it now, but when I became a senior, half my class or more at noon, they just left. They went to work or they went to home or they did whatever they want to because they got all their credits in and all they had to do was show up for what they had, had to have, and then that was it. They were done. Me? No, no, no. I came to every class and two correspondence courses so I could graduate. And I'm not saying this for sure, but Janae may have done those. Anyway, uh, I'm joking. <laughs> She helped. Um, but at that point in my life, I was so confused and so out of sorts and so messed up. And I had gained for myself a reputation. Because isn't that what we're really talking about here today? We're really talking about reputation. We're really talking about what your name means. And I remember it was an English class. And I was doing really well because at this point I was like, I want to graduate. I want to be able to play sports. So I'm in there. I am hustling. I am making it happen. But I already had the reputation. So somebody halfway through the year that evidently was not making a good grade in the class had this wonderful thought that I will be able to help my grade if I steal the grade book from the teacher. Now, I don't know why they thought that was going to work out for them because that just means... I don't know what it means. I don't even know what you would do if you're a teacher. And back then, we didn't have all these computers and everything. So, yeah, there were a few dinosaurs still left on the earth. But that was it. That's where your grade was. That's where your grade was entered at. And someone stole it. Well, because of my reputation, it was me as far as that teacher was concerned. And I didn't steal it. I swear, I didn't steal it, but I didn't, I didn't steal it, but I tell you what, and, and, and I don't know if it was just because I was maturing, I was getting older, the pain of that, being, being, being accused of doing something I didn't do, was, it hurt, because I really liked this teacher, 
And I thought she really liked me, and I thought I was doing well in the class, and I was doing well in the class, but I thought we were connecting. I thought everything was good. I was trying to make these improvements in my life, and, and, and then she just said, you stole it. You stole it. And I just thought to myself, man, it's so sad. At first, I became vehement, and I was like, no, I didn't steal it. And I fought, and I had my parents come up and talk to her and say, he didn't steal it. And she's like, well, he's, he's sitting close to my desk. Well, he's trying to do good in class. That's why he's sitting close to your desk. I just really believe it was him. And the truth hit me that even though I know I didn't steal it, that the reason she believed I did was because of what my name had become. Let me explain to you what the Bible says when it means a good name is far better than great wealth. Let's do it by contrasting some names. I'm going to say some names. You don't have to say anything, but I just want you to let it settle in on you how you feel when I say these names. Mother Teresa. Adolf Hitler. Now, how many of you feel different about Mother Teresa than you did about Adolf Hitler? Right? Billy Graham. Jeffrey Dahmer. Some of y'all are like, who's Jeffrey Dahmer? Well, if you know, you can share with them later. Let's just say the word cannibal comes to mind. Abraham Lincoln. John Wilkes Booth. Now let's go biblical. Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Judas Iscariot. You have very definite feelings about those names when I say those names. You, you know about that person by the title of their name because of the history of their life. A name that is a good name is far more valuable than even great wealth because a good name gives you entrance into people's life. Good name causes you to be respected and loved and causes you to be influenced. I didn't say a perfect name. I didn't say you have to get everything right and don't go home and tell your kids, well, I'll tell you this. But I will, I will say this. When my kids were growing up, I never expected perfection of them. But when we were talking about things that we do versus things that we shouldn't do, I, I would say things like, Gadberries do this. This is how Gadberries respond to that. This is how Gadberries live our life. Because I want them to associate with their name something that is true, something that is righteous, something that is holy, something that is good, something that would be handed down from God to us. It's important that we teach and train our kids, and it's important that we understand ourselves that our name matters because of what it represents. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, was a worshiper at heart. She was willing to give all she had to Jesus. Uh, one is synonymous with treachery. Hers, worshiper. His, treachery. The Bible says of both that they would be remembered throughout history. She would be remembered for her sacrifice and revelation of the destiny of Jesus. 
he would be remembered for his betrayal and destruction of the Son of God. Now, I want to show you here in the same passage of Scripture, we can look and see this contrast in one room, in one moment, in one setting. Read it with me. John chapter 12, verse 1 through 7, the NIV, it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. The Bible tells us that this was about a year's wage. She took her savings. And the Bible says she broke the bottle because the containers then did not have a, 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 a top that you could screw back on. So when she gave it, she gave it all. She poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped it with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Enter Judas Iscariot. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why was it this perfume sold, the money given to the poor? Here he is in the same room where she's giving this lavish gift of worship to Jesus. And he's calling her out as if she was doing something wrong. We could have used this for poor people. It's about a year's wage. Then the Bible gives us a little bit of a subtext and says he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So let's look at the difference in these two names. She was humble. He was filled with pride. She was surrendered. He was rebellious. She was generous. He was covetous and greedy. She was vulnerable, sincere, and true. He was hidden, inauthentic, and deceitful. And what is revealed here is what's in a name. Because we remember these names, and we remember them for very different reasons. What's in a name? What is in a name? Here's what's in a name. The weight of the credibility of the person wearing it. That's what's in a name. It's important for us to leave a legacy in our name to our progeny. However, the power of our name is in what the name represents. If we truly want a valuable, credible, and powerful name, it should reflect the name that is above every name. If we want our name to be the fullness of what it could be, then our name needs to reflect the name that's above every name. If, if we want our life to be filled with glory and filled with vision and filled with purpose and filled with some kind of light that can light up somebody else's darkness and bring them to freedom, if we want that, then our name should be representative of the name that's above every name. And what, what is that name? That name is Jesus the Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 tells us, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Let me just stop for a minute and tell you that no matter what's been named on you, the name of whatever that is is not greater than the name of Jesus. The name of cancer is not greater than the name of Jesus. The name of problems is not greater than the name of Jesus. The name of divorce is not greater than the name of Jesus. The name of irreconcilable things is not 
not greater than the name of Jesus. Jesus is great. There is nobody better, nobody greater, no more, no more name that is higher. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower, and the righteous can run into it and be safe. His name's powerful because his name represents him. And who is he? He's the one who was and is and is to come. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17 through 18 says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He's the king of kings. Revelation chapter 19 verse 15 says, Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, it says, Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha, the first. I am the Omega, the last. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. It starts with me. It finishes with me. There's no one before me. There's no one after me. That's what he's saying. He has many names. In Hebrew, he's known as El Elyon, which means the most high God. Jesus is spoken up in the New Testament as the Son of the Most High. And the Holy Spirit is spoken of as the power of the Most High God. He is supreme. There is no one greater. There is no power greater. There is no greater life. There is no greater authority. There is no one above him, nothing above him. He is God, and beside him there is no other. Everything that claims to be God that is not him is false and deceitful. He is alone God. We know him as Jehovah, which is a derivative of the word Yahweh, and it means the name of the independent self complete being when he refers to himself as i am who i am he's saying there need no description i just simply am the only being that is existent upon myself i don't need anything to help me be sufficient or to be maintained i am all in all nothing needed here jehovah jireh there's many names that are compound that are a name that's given alongside the name jehovah to describe the attributes of jehovah and he's known to us as Jehovah Jireh. And any of you who are struggling with needing God to move on your behalf for provision right now, you need to understand he is Jehovah Jireh, God your provider, the God who provides. And just as he provided yesterday, he'll provide today and he'll provide tomorrow. He grants, he grants deliverance from sin. He gives the oil of joy for the ashes of sorrow and eternal citizenship in his kingdom to those who are adopted into his house. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace. We're meant to know the fullness of God's perfect peace, His Shalom. God's peace surpasses understanding. It sustains us through difficult times. It's the product of being fully 
uh, uh, what we're created to be. It's trusting God to the highest. He is Jehovah Shalom, our prince. This is why Jesus said to us, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He went on to tell us that he doesn't give peace like the world gives because the peace that the world gives is only temporary and it cannot fix the internal struggle inside of you. But the peace of God can cause that conflict to diminish to nothing. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. God alone provides the remedy for mankind's brokenness through his son, Jesus Christ. The gospel literally is the physical, moral, and spiritual remedy or healing for people. Jehovah Nissi is this. He is God, our banner. The Bible says that under his banner, we go from triumph to triumph. I love the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, thanks be to God who always makes us triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many names of God that speak to who he is and what he's done. And there's no other name, none in history, no matter which way you look at it or from what perspective you see it, that has impacted, influenced, or affected our world than the name Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men where we can find salvation. The Bible says in John chapter 14, Jesus himself saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And before Jesus was born, his name and title were conferred upon him and they were declared as prophecy to Joseph and Mary. They called him Jesus, the Christ. Jesus' last name is not Christ. <laughs> and he's not a cuss word, by the way. How would you like that if somebody used your name as a cuss word? Scott, Scotty Haynes. I'm going to start using that on the golf course, Scotty. Scotty. Jesus the Christ. Jesus is his name from the word Yeshua or Joshua. And it means salvation. The Christ is his title. The Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. The Savior of the world. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. It goes on to call him Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He put on human flesh and became like us so that we could become like him. We see this played out in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him, and nothing was made that was made and without Him. And in Him was life, and the life was the, uh, the light of God, and the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. And in verse 14 in that first chapter, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us as we beheld Him as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the word. His name is synonymous with the word love because he is the expression of love. 
His name is synonymous with the word peace because he is our prince of peace. His name is synonymous with the word life because he is resurrection and the life. His name is synonymous with the word grace because he is the giver of grace and mercy. His teachings are truth. His actions are admirable. His ways are wonderful and his life is light. Jesus' name carries such power and authority that even the demons in hell shake when you say it. They're scared to be in his presence. They don't want to be around him. All you have to do is say his name and declare his name, and it makes everyone tremble in the spirit realm. He is great. He is life, is light. Jesus' name is so powerful. People have tried to diminish his name by making him some mere human. Some, some have tried to destroy his name by eliminating him or destroying him or trying to put wrong and lies and deceitfulness on his name to, to represent him to be something that he is not. And some have tried to defame his name and others have tried to erase his name. Isn't it interesting that the one historical figure that has had the most impact on our world is the one who has tried to be eliminated so hard. Whole nations have tried to eliminate his name. Whole armies have tried to eliminate his name. Whole people groups have tried to eliminate his name. But you can't eliminate that which created you. He is our creator who became a part of the creation so God could save what he made. His name cannot be denied because it's not about the name itself. It's about what the name represents. A name like his name is worth far more than wealth and fame. So it's important that we live in a way that our name is a good name. But the way to do that is to remember what our name should represent. Not our lives. Our name shouldn't represent our lives. Our, our name shouldn't represent our limited dreams or our small minds, but our names, our words, our actions should represent that name. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us very clearly that when we come to Christ, when we come into relationship with Him, that that's exactly what happens. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Listen to this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. In other words, our name represents his kingdom. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Come into relationship with God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So the question is, what's in a name? Integrity. Peace. Life, light, joy, grace, love, mercy, compassion, righteousness, justice, credibility, salvation. And then the further question would be, what's in your name? And what's in my name? Let's pray. 
Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.